0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome. I just want to make sure that everyone is loading into the webinar. We're super excited to have you all here today. My name is Mintus, and welcome to How RevOps Will Take the Driver's Seat in Company Growth. Um, we have an amazing guest here today who's rather more of a partner than a guest at this point. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with Miko, so if you don't mind going to the next slide, I just want to do some quick introductions on a little bit about who I am and who Miko is. Um, as I mentioned, my name is Mintis Hankerson, and I am the Director of Demand Strategy here at HubSpot. I work alongside with RevOps and marketing and our sales teams to make sure that we have all of the right systems, data, um, and decisions in place to make sure that we have enough customer engagement. Um, and I wanted to just kick it over to Miko, who is the co-founder of Baynu, and I'm super excited here. We work very closely at this point together. I feel like you work here at HubSpot, Miko. And I'm super excited to speak with you all the time. Um, But let's just dig into a little bit about what we're going to learn today. And then I'm happy to kick it over to Miko. I know it's Q4, everyone's busy. So we hope to not take too much of your time and just deliver some value today. Um, But we hope that today you walk away with an understanding of why RevOps is the hot new role in B2B SaaS and why they are the new buyer. Um, We also want to talk about how to apply revenue marketing and revenue ops to your teams and your organizations. And we're going to dig into a little bit of what are the latest go-to-market trends. Hopefully, that gives you a little bit of a boost for your upcoming Q1 pipeline or a strong Q4 finish. And then last but not least, how does data help sales and marketing leaders? I think we're going through quite a bit now in the industry across the board on what role does data play. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then at the end, we'll wrap up with the Q&A session, as we would love to hear from all of you and see if there's anything um, we can talk to you about. So without further ado, I will kick it over to Miko to get started. Um, and please, please don't hold back questions. We will answer them at the end. Um, and we're super excited to hear from you. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Mintis. Yeah, good good morning or good afternoon. Also, from my behalf, So I'll, I'll, I'll start by focusing on this first bullet, why RevOps is the new hot role in B2B SaaS. But uh, before jumping into that, uh, Mintis, if people want to ask questions, um, should they use chat or the Q&A part of Zoom? Or does not does it matter?
0: Please use the Q&A um, section uh, for all of your questions, please.
1: Sounds good. But all right. Um, so I'll talk about RevOps a little bit and what I've seen. Uh, it's good to keep in mind that I've just been interviewing um, uh, RevOps people lately. And Mintis is the one who's actually working in RevOps. Um, but since we, we, we released at Vine, we released a global company database a few months ago. And uh, when we started analyzing the first users, we started to realize that there's plenty of people who have a title, uh, something related to revenue operations. And um, I think in the US, it's already well known, lots of, especially B2B SaaS companies, they have their RevOps teams in place. And now we're starting to see the same in Europe. So then then I felt that I wanna understand more about this new new team and new department. And a good way to do that is to, of course, speak with lots of people. So I've done lots of interviews lately. Um, Some of you might have seen uh, some of those interviews being published also as episodes in our podcast, but lots of different type of companies, mainly B2B SaaS, both from North America and uh, from Europe. So there seems to be one sort of uh, journey most companies are following and then i think by showing you the journey of revops it's quite easy for you to put yourself and your company into that journey as well so we all of course many of us we have these d- different departments we have new business team hunting for new logos we have customer success teams working with existing customers responsible for renewals upsell cross sell also fighting for churn then we have a marketing team they're playing more and more important role, lots of companies implementing PLG motion, and uh, it's all about uh, creating and, and uh, catching demand and also to some extent lead gen. And then you have finance teams also who are looking at key uh, metrics and objectives and key results. So I think most companies, first, they started with um, sort of sales ops. So Typically, they realize that they need someone who is looking after the CRM usage, who's doing lots of analysis when it comes to ICP and what type of companies they should sell to. Typically, a person in sales ops had a background, maybe a super strong SDR, maybe a strong account executive, somebody who was good with numbers, good with CRM, and then that person got promoted to be the first sales ops person. And then... uh, same thing happened in, in finance. So there's lots of metrics, lots of SaaS KPIs. So you needed someone also in, on, the, on the finance side who will do all the analysis and calculate and, and report numbers back to CFO. But it wasn't only new business and finance. Typically, the third one, Uh, is often marketing and i think in many marketing teams there's actually been someone working with marketing ops quite some time the title is just a little bit different maybe growth marketeer or something like that and they have been analyzing of course when you for example implement product-led growth motion you need to focus on on sources of traffic you need to understand attribution and there's plenty of things to analyze and also plenty of technologies that you can you can use And then finally, also customer success people, they have realized that when marketing is having their ops, new business people, they're having their ops people, finance is having ops, they also felt that, hey, we also need someone who's segmenting the client base, doing lots of analysis on uh, churn prediction, for example, identifying upsell and cross-sell opportunities. And and, uh, this is sort of the journey we see lots of SaaS companies go through. They start with sales ops and finance ops, then they Implement Marketing Ops, and then finally CS Ops. I think what's the outcome of this journey is that you end up having lots of people in ops, but they're a little bit siloed. So it's something that um, we could call um, siloed ops. You have ops people in place, but they're typically reporting to their own department head. So sales ops may be reporting to VP sales, CS ops reporting to head of customer success, and so on. But I think this one is now changing and we have seen it already uh, for quite a few companies and many others are following. So uh, the new reality seems to be that these individuals are forming a new team. And very often that team is revenue operations. Sometimes it's called strategy and operations. So there's plenty of different names, but at least in my books, based on those interviews, it's really revenue ops and they have plenty of responsibilities. So they focus on not only uh, the sales playbook or the customer journey playbook, they focus on the entire customer journey, all the processes and playbooks in that journey. Also, they play a key role when it comes to tools and technologies, what tools they use, how they implement them. They often also act as main users for many of those go-to-market technologies. Surprisingly, many individuals, especially the ones who are running RevOps teams, they seem to have a background uh, in data, in analytics. And uh, that's why also data plays a key role in in RevOps. You want to have that single source of truth when it comes to customer data, for example. And also, of course, they they help the company, they help the executive team with metrics and and KPIs and create plans, how to optimize them and and, uh, really making sure that the company hits objectives and key results. A few more slides before I start asking questions from Mintis and how these things are being done at at HubSpot. Uh, But I think this this also has an excellent impact on all of you who are providing services for uh, these departments, especially software services. I picked a few examples, HubSpot PlanHat. PlanHat is a great CS uh, customer success uh, platform. ChargeB, also a great great tool for managing finance and accounting. And um, and then Vino and HubSpot as well. So Historically, I think Vino, for example, we've been approaching lots of uh, sales department. PlanHat most likely has been speaking with CS teams quite a bit. HubSpot at least started uh, in a way that it was a tool for marketing directors. And then ChargeB, maybe they spoke with CFOs and head head of finance. But now when when there's this new team in place, RevOps, and they want to really focus on the entire customer journey, I think you can't really sell to these departments and it it won't be siloed at least. So RevOps is also playing a very important role in buying decisions, meaning that all these go-to-market tools and also the tools that are helping the entire customer journey. There will be individuals in the revops teams that you will end up speaking with so i think it also has that type of impact for those companies that are building and providing services and products for uh, these four departments finance marketing um cs and sales but then if we go back to the original uh, agenda so that's the short history of revops and, and we feel that it's it's rising Especially among B2B SaaS. But Mintis, how is it at HubSpot? I think do you have, do you actually call it revenue operations, the sort of the department you're in? I know that your title is demand strategy. Is that that right title? But how is the setup at HubSpot?
0: Yeah, we do have a rev ops department. I currently now sit in revenue marketing. Um, as that is now a new section of our business that is focused specifically on pipeline generation for the business. But prior to that, I did sit in RevOps and my role sits very closely with RevOps. We basically work with them for everything. Um, And I sit in marketing now. Um, But before that, um, we had one team that was uh, broken out in terms of the function. So all the different parts of our flywheel team, like marketing, customer success, sales all had a section of support and revenue operations. And, and we feel pretty good about the way that that is set up. Um, and I think there's some really good talks from our um, EVP of RevOps, Allison Elworthy, on just how they've structured the team from inbound. Hmm.
1: And uh, I mentioned some of the responsibilities that we often see, like processes and playbooks, tools and technologies, data and insights, KPIs and other metrics. Uh, did you in your RevOps team, did you focus on all those um, areas or did you mainly focus on just one of them? How, how was it? No,
0: really all of them across RevOps, I would say all of that systems, process, strategy, data, all of those things, as well as people. I would say those are like the really big pillars of the work in RevOps. Um, and I'd say that A RevOps team focuses on all of those things. And I think people don't realize that go-to-market strategy and enablement can also live in RevOps. So how Mm -hmm. you teach your people um, and how you take the strategy and scale it to skill, that usually also sits in RevOps. So I see RevOps as like really all the support a business would need to be successful. So whether that's the training that they need, whether that's the how are we going to achieve what, how are we measuring? What's our process? Who? Um, compensation. That's really all RevOps. So they mm. really run the structure of the business and then the business responds by um, doing their half of the bargain. It's a true partnership.
1: Yeah, I think that's actually a very good additional topic that people and also enablement often being part of RevOps. That was also one of the findings in those interviews. Uh, how big, just out of curiosity, how big was the RevOps team? Like how many individuals, roughly 10, 30, 50?
0: Oh, no, I I think we're in the hundreds. Uh, I'd have to get a a proper headcount, but I I believe we're in the hundreds across all of RevOps um, at HubSpot. And I understand that it looks very different at different companies, but I'd say most companies of our size are probably in the hundreds, um, considering that there are so many pieces of it. There's the systems piece, there's the go-to-market teams, there are the enablement teams, and there's the strategy and ops teams. So um, there's there's quite a quite a lot of people um, in the rev org.
1: Yep, and in sales ops, like most companies, the first ops they have is sales ops, and typically that individual, often it's first just one individual. Uh, that person focuses on new business and optimizing new business and prospecting and and and. These things, that person often also has a background in sales, himself or herself. So successful AE or SDR. But when you think back to the team you have at HubSpot, like do you have lots of people who have commercial background or do you also have individuals who come with data and analytics background, for example?
0: Yeah, truth be told, I actually think I'm one of the only people from the sales org in RevOps uh, and that has gone over to the sales strategy and ops side. I think there's actually a lot of people that go the other direction, as in they start off in RevOps and go try out sales, um, because they do have such a great understanding of the business that obviously all they have to really learn is how to sell. I actually think that um, RevOps is... Um, typically has a lot more people that have consulting backgrounds as mm. well um, because they're really consulting the business and how they should operate. So I see a lot more of that background, at least in the US market. Um, and then I see certain people as well with more of like ops and finance and um, analytics backgrounds because it, it is turned into such a data heavy um, mm. role that that is what I typically see in, in the backgrounds. That being said, I think from a strategy perspective, we should have more people coming from sales, because I think you need people making decisions that understand the way the role works. And I actually mm. think that's a huge point of friction for how revOps can potentially make decisions versus how they land and materialize in the business. because mm. sometimes, like um you can you can speak to a company and realize, okay, like we made this decision, but then you don't think about how your sales org is actually going to do something and what might actually happen. and then you create small, um, pieces of disruption because of that lack of understanding. And and it's super easy to get deep down a rabbit hole of like, okay, like this is a great plan. And even now I'm a bit more removed from the sales org. I, I used to be in HubSpot sales org. I started here as a sales rep. I managed a sales team. Um, but even now being on the rev side for many years now, um, it's easy to think about your decision and be like, yep, this should work. But then you, you don't think about the other things that that sales rep might be balancing or that sales team, those other priorities, because so many mm. things are coming at them from so many different pieces of the organization.
1: Yeah. And then if we think of how to apply revenue marketing, revenue ops in, into other, other companies, I mean, let's say that there's a company out there, they make a decision that, yes, we want to have rev ops team, but I've at least seen two very different type of uh, rev ops and sales ops. Teams. Like sometimes it's really strategic team that actually has a huge business impact. And they're also extremely well respected within the organization. While in some other companies, that ops is just that one, one person who's reminding AEs to update their CRM and in all honesty, having very little business impact. So what is your tip? Like, how do you if you if you're about to set up RevOps function? How can you make sure that that team is having a real business impact, and also that they they earn the credibility in the eyes of um, other other teams?
0: Yeah, I, in my mind, I look at RevOps as two kinds of arms. I see it as strategy and ops, and mm-hmm. I think strategy is more proactive, looking forward, and then operations is more of reactive rhythm of the business. So I think, um, and I think reactive rhythm of, of the business has an impact, but the impact is, is it's less easy to see because it's about keeping everything together, you know? Like, I feel like it's, an, it's, it's less noticed how much it's important. So it's very easy to be like, hmm, like the impact was not proactive because it's more about people like making sure that the deals got into the right place, that people got paid. And like, it's really easy to take that for granted because no one sees that it didn't happen because it happened. So it's almost like, it's not that it doesn't have as much impact. It's just a different kind of impact versus like a strategic lens would be like, let's change the way we go to market. Let's split the teams up. Let's sell, have one sell to new, new customers and one grow our customer base. That would be a strategic decision that a RevOps team can make. And obviously like that impact is really obvious. Like you're going to change the way things operate. You're going to change the way people are paid you're going to change their team formation, the way the business operates. And one is not necessarily more valuable than the other. Um, It's just that it's different. So I personally would separate the work um, into those two teams. And I would Mm -hmm. have people aligned to which one they're better at, frankly, or like which one they want to work on. Because there are certain people that do a really great job operationalizing processes that are more reactive to the business, like creating a ticket queue for reps to submit issues with why they can't make a deal or why they can't close um, something or something is in the wrong territory those types of things like that is super important Um, and we need people that are really good at process um, and scalability in that kind of role and then there's people that have created the processes of expansion and innovation that should be in more of the strategy and looking forward side
1: Sounds good. Hey, I think before we jump into other go-to-market trends, it would be nice to do a poll and just ask and and sort of confirm if if that's the case that more and more companies are thinking of RevOps teams. I believe we can launch a poll quite easily here. So now all of you should see a poll. Quite simple. Do you have RevOps team at the moment? It might be with a different name. And uh, then you have four options. Yes, you do have An ops team at the moment then yes but with a different name if you don't have maybe you're planning to set up one soon or the fourth answer is that you don't have it and i think actually don't see live how many of you have voted but please vote and then i believe we can quite easily also display the results and it's going to be exciting to see how many of you are so 52% 52% don't have, so roughly 50% of the audience either have it already, might be with a different name, or are planning to set up one soon. Any, any thoughts, surprising results for you, this or in line with your expectations?
0: stay in line with expectations because I do know that the audience at HubSpot and our customer base um, from a headcount perspective is typically in the small business space. And I know that some small businesses, um, they operate very lean and RevOps ops, something that I think is a very necessary priority. But when teams operate lean, Um, we might find that other people are playing lots of roles. Like you might find that finance is actually bridging in to do some rev ops things. Um, Mm. Or they might have one single person who's actually doing like everything that is revenue marketing, revenue ops, enablement. There's all types of things. So I think um, it doesn't surprise me, but I definitely think that the way we're moving is that it'll be a function even in smaller companies.
1: Sounds good. I suggest that we continue with other go-to-market trends, and we'll talk about them in a bit. And then we jump into concrete use cases, how RevOps team can help business functions to be more effective, especially when it comes to using data and sort of something we call personalization at at scale. Um, So these are actually trends, uh, a blog post that we I think we published yesterday or two days ago, based on not only based on these discussions we've had with RevOps people, but we of course speak with lots of other go-to-market leaders, and we always try to predict the most important trends for the upcoming year. Um, The first one, of course, we just discussed. We believe that there's a big uh, movement from siloed ops to RevOps. Uh, Interactive demos, um, also that you can engage with the product directly on the website without needing a live demo. And when you do a live demo, that it's more interactive and personalized. That's the number two. Then salespeople need to be domain experts, meaning that they, because transactional sales will get more and more automated and salesperson is not needed so much. But if we want to add value as a salesperson, you need to become industry expert, domain expert. And I, I, I think someone said it in a, in a good way that if you sell accounting software, it might be that you need to study accounting and not sales to become a good salesperson within that field, so that you are domain expert. Then also the demand gen. I mean, it's been all over LinkedIn lately that demand gen is is, is now the hot thing instead of lead gen. We believe that's going to be the case next year as well. Because of um, macro trends and, and slowdown in, in economy, I think more stakeholders maybe more careful investment decisions, maybe CFO involvement might be one one term. And then we also have an example, concrete example about lookalike audiences, but we believe that they will get really mainstream. And that's partly because RevOps teams will actually, they are able to put the data data together and create those lookalike audiences. Um, Maybe we could ask first from the the audience again. So if we launch a poll and uh, ask if you feel these, what do you think is the most important trend out of these six. And of course, you can also leave a comment in chat if you feel that it's something else. But ideally, you pick one of these six. And then you can also suggest other trends in the in the chat. We only had 50% a little bit less than 50% of you answering for the first post. So please be active, pick one of these options and and I think soon we'll be ready to share the results. So what do you think resonates well with you out of these trends? What do you think, Mintus, Uh, You and I, we didn't discuss these trends in advance. Do they make sense for you and uh, anything that you would like to highlight?
0: They they do. They do. I, I could see that salespeople being industry and domain experts, I obviously, I come from a sales background and this is the first year I'm running like a, almost like an RFP process where I'm talking to lots of vendors. And I would say I very much notice the difference between someone that just understands where I'm at and what I'm doing. Um, and I also think that when salespeople are selling to RevOps, I think it's important to understand like what they actually do. I get so many, so much outreach from like marketing softwares. And yes, I technically sit in marketing. If you actually know what the role is though, I I care more about data. I care more about things that allow me to help my team create pipeline. And it's not like the typical um, tools that people would be reaching out. Like I'm not in charge of the HubSpot podcast and things like that. And I get different vendors. So I think, Mm. um, there's a different context that's necessary. Um, so I think this is an important skill for everyone, including people in sales, to know because it, it makes them have a more targeted, relevant conversation.
1: Yep. the One that got most votes other than um, companies going from siloed ops to revenue ops was this industry expertise. I mean, you have been at sales yourself. Uh, do you feel that there's sort of that type of movement that, of, of course, you need to have a consultative approach. And I guess that that's quite obvious. And uh, most likely also that sales will get, uh, or transactional sales will get more automated. But how would you advise, you're also a buyer, but also you have sales background. Like how do you actually gain that domain expertise if you sell a software, for example, but you're, you don't have a background in that field, for example, in accounting? What would you do yeah. as, a, as a salesperson?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would look up, um, I'd actually like start reading all of the trends of that industry. I would take a course in that industry um, and truly immerse myself in like what's important to that industry. So when I used to sell HubSpot, I used to focus on like what's important for companies to grow, because most of the companies we sold to were in their first Um, hundred employees. So like that means they're early on, which means that they're focused on one thing, growing. Um, So if it doesn't help them grow, then they probably don't care about it, to be honest, because like they should only care about what helps them be successful. So having that lens, like no, I think it's really important, like no buyer cares about things that they can't care about, which is things outside of their main priorities. So I think it's important to know what are those so you can have a relevant conversation and um, even though even if they don't have a, a true RevOps team, the things that RevOps cares about, those are universally applicable. Um, like strategy, process, efficiency, ROI, are, those are all things that every business cares about, even if they don't have revenue ops, um, mm-hmm. because those are just concepts that revenue ops can focus on. But every company should care about those things. So when you're selling, like you have to figure out how your tool and your software, your data um, serves those things.
1: Very good. Hey, um, I saw that we have a couple of live questions, so we can take them now before we continue with a couple of concrete examples how you can actually be extremely data-driven and and, and, uh, create um, audiences and target groups in a a completely new way. Santiago was asking, going back to the RevOps topic, is there a size or a stage for a B2B SaaS company as of Uh, which it makes sense to implement RevOps team? Like, What's the right time to have RevOps team? Like, Is it when you hit 50 employees or maybe 10 people in sales? What what do you think? What's the right answer when to implement RevOps?
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think you probably need one person as soon as you get a proper functioning sales team. So um, the function, even if it's not a whole person, the function needs to exist um, when you have a full sales team. And Pardon if you guys are hearing my cat. She's very unhappy that uh, she's outside of the room, so I'm very sorry about that. Um, but um, as soon as you have an operational sales team, I think there needs to be the function. Now, if that's half a person, whatever it might be, and whatever that company has the means to do, and obviously you can expand it, but um, it's I, I heard this statement a long time ago uh, when I used to do art class. It was like, "He who has no apron, everything is an apron." Uh, so it's like saying, like, if you don't have this function, then that means everything is gonna be without charting. So he who has no RevOps uh, function um, has no direction in those things. So I think it's important. um, And you'll see leaders at startups like playing the role of RevOps. So they need partnership, you know? Um, At startups, you'll see a lot of VPs of sales like literally in the spreadsheet, like creating their own processes. The sooner you get them support, the faster they can move and do other things. So even if it is half of a headcount.
1: And we have seen some of, when I, when I've been interviewing companies, uh, we had a few companies that are that were like seventy people, and they had already five people in RevOps. So if you think of it, it's like seven percent of the total headcount. But I mean, personally, I feel that when you're still figuring out product market fits, maybe you don't need it yet, But the moment when you're starting to see not only product market fit, but you're sort of focusing on uh, go to market fits. like, that's the moment when you can actually start optimizing and 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 creating that customer customer journey. And then I feel that it makes a lot of sense, but you need an individual who gets that credibility. And I think that's why what you just mentioned that often they have a consulting background. That's a that's an excellent background because obviously in the past they have been analyzing lots of industries and lots of companies, and they have done similar things uh, in those in those assignments before.
0: Exactly. Uh,
1: Carlos is asking, how long does it take to see results from RevOps strategy?
0: I think it depends on, I I always say um, right now, it depends on how fast you can make decisions and how fast you can action. So obviously, the bigger company gets, the longer decisions make because more people are involved. And then the longer it takes to mobilize change, whether that be across a sales org. Your sales org has thousands of people in it, it's really hard to get them to do something because it takes a lot of people to adopt it. Versus if you have five people um, that need to make that change and you can make a decision tomorrow, you could see results by the end of the month on whatever that might be. Like you could say, Hey, I'm going to let's try this persona tomorrow. Let's try selling with this data. Like, and you could start to see very quick wins. It really just depends on what the decision is and how big your company is and how fast you guys can get to uh, a decision as well. Um, But I would say typically at a company that's at least a few hundred people big, it would take at least a quarter or two to see changes. And you might also see certain things moving in certain directions. Like let's say you guys focused a little bit more on changing the go-to-market motion that could take multiple quarters to see the results you want because there might be a really huge learning curve so it really just depends on the um it's almost like the effort versus impact of the decision I typically think of things on that scale of like how hard is it and how big is the impact usually high effort high impact things take longer to see results low effort low impact things are probably something you can see a result very quickly.
1: Sounds good. And let's take Cindy's question at the end before uh, or after we have shown a couple of concrete examples. And then then we can take Cindy's question as as well. Um, Let me see. So now we have discussed go to market trends. We have discussed how to apply web ops and also why it's the new hot role in B2B SaaS. Let's talk about a couple of concrete examples, how data can help sales and marketing leaders to do personalization at scale. In a way, I feel that quite often, you you want to really do two things. You want to personalize, meaning that you want to drive up quality in all the all the discussions and all the campaigns. But you also need quantity and volume. So that's why I think personalization at scale. You personalize to increase quality, but you do it at scale without sacrificing, sacrificing the, the quantity and volume. So here's just a couple of examples. Um, these are the things at least that we with our customers and also internally what we think and um, also a little bit how we use data and for example hubspot uh, to do that so when, whenever we have a new happy customer in this case I think uh, we have this uh, case study on the on the website and uh, I think we also have some individuals from plan hat in the webinar um, so you get a happy new customer and then I think RevOps typically starts thinking, how can we sort of monetize this one? How can we make this scalable if we have an offering, a powerful offering for this, this company? So then like, how can we make the most out of it? Um, one, one thing that we have seen is that salespeople, when they see a new logo coming in, they would like to find similar companies. They would like to find lookalikes so that they can also approach with maybe with the same messaging and same solution. And marketing maybe wants to increase um, the, the conversion by placing this case study in front of uh, companies that would find it meaningful. So maybe lookalikes and similar companies that would most likely resonate well with them. So I think nowadays there's plenty of data available. And I know that you're doing it at spot and many other companies are building it in their data warehouses. So they consolidate and collect lots of data from different sources. And ultimately, they often are building some sort of model that they want to understand companies, and also to some extent, uh, the buyers uh, better. In B2C, we have seen lookalike audiences being mainstream quite some time. But nowadays, it's also possible to do um, on a B2B side. So you can actually very easily, out of the whole universe of companies, detect the lookalikes, and then place that information into your CRM and marketing automation systems. So this is an example live screenshot. So if I want to do something with similar companies to... Uh, plan hat which is a cs uh, platform a great one then identifying the others that are lookalikes like Game tango turn zero vitally start deliver and so on it should be very easy but we, the data ultimately needs to be in the crm so that salespeople can easily find it and if they want to use it they can use it then revops can also create campaigns but same goes to marketing if they want to then create audiences and for example promote Um, ads on LinkedIn for these individuals and decision makers for these companies. The only thing you need to do is to make sure that you have the data in your CRM and marketing automation system. Also, we see that this is um, getting quite... Let me see. So the outcome is that then sales and marketing talk about they're aligned and same message, same approach and same timing. But we also see uh, this one that you can also do the analysis out of the entire customer base. Uh, so you can analyze existing customers, existing prospects, and then you can dig deeper into certain segments. let me see, so that you can take a sub segment and then instead of finding lookalikes for one individual domain, you can start analyzing uh, one segment and finding lookalikes. Because I think these are for, sort of the ways how you can personalize at scale. Maybe your website looks different for that segment compared to the to the others. Um, What do you think, Mintis? are these sort of the things that you're also doing what you see others doing when they use HubSpot and collect lots of data that they personalize the website experience, they create campaigns on a marketing side and sales side so they go after the same segments? Is this the reality these days? What what do you think?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, in my opinion, is one of the biggest value props of all-in-one tools like HubSpot. Um, Your marketing automation is really only as strong as the data powered by it um because at the end of the day you could look at marketing automation as like sending an email one after Mm -hmm. the other but like what makes that email special what makes that outreach actually useful um it's actually about cultivating a completely customized environment whether that be your website the outreach eventually sms there's all these different kinds of outreach And the only way you actually can make it really relevant is to know more about your consumer. Um, And I think actually in a a time like this, people look at data and they think about, oh, like, I want to take data and I just want to reach out to people. Like, and in reality, that's not the way, like everyone knows right now, like, you know, in a world of inbound and how do you make inbound stronger today? It's about having more information to give people the best experience. The more, you know, the better you can tailor your experience, whether that be your website, your communications to your buyers and to the people that are going through the experience of interacting with your company. Um, It's so much better when you land on a website and they know it's you and they know Mm. that you work at that company. If you're a customer, it's like easier to get help that way. It's Mm. much different to have to go through the sales chat versus if you arrive to a website and they know, Hey, do you need some help? Like this is your account. Um, or if you're inside of your own account, like if you're in your HubSpot account, you can chat. We know that you're in your HubSpot account. We're not going to be like, who are you? Write your email. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just faster. You want to get an answer faster. And that's really where we're at. Um, and sales and marketing alignment, I think, is huge. I think for a very long time, sales and marketing have been separate. I think for the last five to 10 years, we've seen them operate in their own silos, of course, with marketing, always giving leads to sales. But I think the alignment is so much more necessary right now, especially with the economic headwinds. I think that everyone needs to be, I use a kayaking metaphor, everyone needs to be kayaking down the same river to the same destination, else we will not get there. Um, It was easier, it's much easier in great market times to do that. But when everything is actually kind of a headwind towards you, and that's really the case for like so many companies right now, um, everyone has to be on the same page about the value the company brings, who you bring it to, how you service customers. And that alignment is very important as well. Um, and having all of that information in your CRM is a first step because you get alignment from having um, everyone see the same information and know about it and, and capitalize off of it.
1: The sort of use cases that you see companies are doing and maybe the things that you do at HubSpot, you mentioned already that like personalizing the website and and so that you know the individual who's visiting and making that personalized. You mentioned also emails, when you send out emails and newsletters, we have discussed ads, like what else can you do um, with data? Do you have any other concrete examples where the data actually has an impact on the experience, either buying experience or sort of customer experience?
0: Yeah, I mean, in sales, uh, messaging should change greatly with the more information that we have. I mean, um, if we know that a company has a certain tool that they're using, you can have a more tailored conversation around how your tool might compare to theirs Mm. um, that they're using. You can provide more data there. Um, that's one thing I think the biggest, I I come back to it, but, but the website experience is very huge. I think, especially now people are expecting pricing transparency and like to look at the pricing of a tool in some general terms on a website. And I think that, um, even when they're already customers, when there's other tools they could purchase, people like to be able to self-service, um, those tools. And if there's incentives offered for like scalability, Um, For example, like let's say someone is a customer and you offer them 20% off because they are already a customer to buy something else like Mm. knowing that they're a customer and showing them that pricing is like more efficient than not so it really goes down to like Even the experience of your pricing page to customers versus non customers, to people from a certain geography. I think localization is very important, especially for companies Mm. in the US that are selling um, internationally and vice versa. Like, I definitely can tell you that companies in Europe and versus companies in, in the US operate very differently just from like the culture, why they might buy a product. Um, the efficiencies they're looking for. Um, certain, I've noticed uh, like a lot of buyers in Europe, they, they care a lot about privacy. They care a lot about the security of the product. They care a lot about how it's going to make the um, lifestyles of their employees better. Versus mm. in the US, of course, they care about security and privacy as well, but there's different laws and there's different stringencies. Um, so there's certain things that different markets care about. So making sure that your website actually shows the things that your mm. market that you are trying to sell to cares about um because someone in certain geographies might want to see something different based off of what's very important and also in the language that they operate in so i think that's really important to know like the cultural nuance um, of your markets as well
1: very good we have a little bit more than five minutes left because we want to finish 10 so that you have a few minutes before the next meeting we could now take a few more questions we also have one more poll for you Um, before we wrap it up, but maybe we could take now um, Cindy's question. Cindy was asking how to implement the strategy in a marketing agency environment, maybe referring to RevOps strategy. Like, does that actually apply to marketing agency? Maybe even a HubSpot partner, for example.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do. It definitely, I personally think if you're selling something, it it applies. So it might look a bit different. So I'd say that um, RevOps at the first part is about establishing your services and offerings very clearly. And then I would say thinking about what kind of support mechanisms that your agency needs. Now, it really just depends on the size of your agency. Like agencies that are very large, they operate very similarly, in fact, to SaaS companies when they start to really scale up and people are selling very consistent SKUs. I think agencies can start to offer very customized services, but they also can start to offer the same service and say like, this is our three month package. This is $3,000. This is uh, exactly what you're going to get. And that is when it's very easy to start to operationalize. Now, how I would set this up if I was in an agency is I would focus on what are the needs of my salespeople and how do I get to consistency? And I would actually focus RevOps on scaling sales behavior because I actually think that the biggest opportunity for agencies is to Um, get more consistency in how they sell and who they sell to and their niche and their success in that niche. And I would make RevOps um, from like a strategy perspective, really focus on that. Um, Mm. Because an agency can can really work in lots of different industries. They can work with lots of different companies, but like figuring out where your product market fit is, and it's not your product, you are your product. So where your service market fit is, Um, and then testing that out, focusing on how you better serve that from a strategy perspective, that's what I'd have the strategy arm do. And then the operations arm, I'd focus on how do you more efficiently sell faster and more, and then having them dig into that. So like, where are we falling short on calls? Um, the close rate. I think that in SaaS, it's very easy to look at the unit economics of your sale. And in an agency sales, sometimes people don't look at it because conversations are more of, the, mm. um, of what's happening versus if you sell a software, it's easy. It's like, you do a discovery call, then you do a demo, and then you do a negotiation. It's very easy to figure out where the drop-off is. But for an agency, sometimes it may not be. And I'd say RevOps, the first thing they could do is begin to map out the operational like process of your sales process, because every business, no matter what you sell, needs it. Um, because that's how you know you're doing a good job or not a great job or if there's an opportunity to do an even better job is knowing like what the steps are and what's what does better look like um so that's kind of what i would do if i was in an agency environment
1: one quick comment regarding agencies uh what i've seen is that because we we have lots of hubspot customers as um, our customers and uh, sometimes agencies sort of playing the role of rev ops mm-hmm. for those uh, end customers Like they want to be very data driven in their marketing and then they have decided to implement HubSpot. They also want to use lots of proprietary company data. They end up being um, Wainu customers as well. But then it's really the agency that is doing the work. And I think the, the role the agency is doing, it's maybe it used to be lots of content creation and, and that stuff. But nowadays, it, they are working with data quite a bit. So I feel that they're sort of doing what RevOps is often doing uh, for those companies. So that might be another way to or another reason to understand. RevOps world
0: quite well. Yes, I'm seeing uh, a lot more RevOps as a service, actually. Yeah. Like a, that's like a really huge trend I'm seeing in agencies. If I scroll mm. through LinkedIn, I don't know if it's because I'm in RevOps, but I see so many agencies that are like basically RevOps as a offering instead of just marketing, they offer the entire thing. Yep. Um so huge trend, I would agree.
1: And then we have a question from Fittore, uh, from the pillars that are used in RevOps, which are the hardest to put into practice? I mean, we discussed processes and playbooks, technologies and tools. You mentioned people and, and enablement, this finance metrics. What, what would you say? What's the most difficult part of it?
0: I think processes, um, because processes are contingent upon a couple of things. One, it has to be a good process. And then two, you need people to adopt it. I think adoption, just as a fundamental concept, is typically the biggest um, headwind you receive and then which one of the pillars are most vulnerable to it that would be processes um because i think everything else like people hire great people you have great people um data buy great data you have great data or collect great data or have in your have a good system like all of those things will get you good data um but i think processes are actually what lead to bad data like if you have a a, a very messy process for your CRM or for how you're building the architecture of your company from a data perspective, that actually will lead to bad everything else. If you had bad processes, it will mess up um, the flow of of positivity for your people. Cause people will have to like, for example, if you have a bad process for like how you get your sales uh, team commissioned, and that leads to people not getting their commission, they're going to be unhappy. So I feel like it all comes down to do you have a process, and does it function? And then, after the step of looking at it, does it function? Is it a good one, and is it the best one for the size and kind of company it is?
1: Definitely. Personally, I feel that it's the most difficult part, at least based on those interviews. Is how, how do you? I mean, even if you do everything by the book, how can you make sure that you have an impact? Because, as I said, some some teams seem to have a huge impact, and others are just like mm, cleaning CRM without a real sure. business impact. So there's a couple of communities. I know that there's a few Slack groups uh, for RevOps in the US. And I also know that there's one about to be launched in Europe as well. So I think also engaging with others who are in the RevOps community, then you can learn from the from the others. And we, of course, try to play our role in, in that as well. We're soon running out of time. Uh, one thing that we decided that if you want to, continue discussions with with us Um, we have a poll so you can answer if you want to speak more with us uh, from me from Vainu or if you need for example a demo of HubSpot or Vainu let us know because we won't be reaching out to every single one of you I think that's the part of not doing uh, just lead gen but demand generation so we won't be following up with every single one of you but if you want us to be in touch let us know and um, You can just hit demo as well if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn. I think both of us are open for connections on LinkedIn, both me and Mintis. I think we don't have, let me see if we have.
0: Always feel free to reach out.
1: (laughs) We still have, while you are answering that question, we do have um, a question from Sylvain. Uh, What about data analysts and computer scientists? those of us who are not into marketing but collaborate all the time with the marketing and RevOps people, do you have recommendations or experience to share, to better improve our team's culture to manage data operations and programmers to RevOps way? What, how, how do you collaborate with uh, computer scientists? Because of course you have plenty of them at HubSpot RevOps.
0: Yeah, I mean, it depends on the size of the company, but this is, this is such a great question. I almost see like... Um the business as a customer to, um, all of these different teams. And what I mean by that is like, I would say, look at, start by evaluating what the business's needs are, and then interpreting them technically to figure out how you can solve for them. So the RevOps way is really like having that partnership business talks about, they come with pain point, they come with problem that needs solving. And then it's up to the technical people to interpret that and translate that into some type of Technical product or project or something that's a solution. So I would say um, if, if you're looking at a bigger company, having structure is very important. Like for example, if you have a data team that has that is focused on uh, that is aligned with engineers um, or computer scientists, then I would have that team work in tandem where like one team does the analytics, they're paired with an engineer, um, and then they are serving one org. Like for example, marketing, or they're serving just sales. Um, so that way there's like, they have one stakeholder organization that they're focused on and they can really immerse themselves. If it's a smaller business then they might serve everyone, um, but it would be the same relationship. They'll have different stakeholders that they meet with, um, to talk through all of that.
1: Excellent. And also I feel when I think of, I'm working as a product manager at, at Vino and then working with. Our developers on a daily basis, sometimes people on the business side might have a feeling that uh, engineers and developers don't want to meet with customers. But at least for us, it's definitely the opposite. Uh, Whenever we ask that if there's an interesting topic that hey, would like to talk about this specific solution or feature or understand more about this buyer or this, this use case, our engineers are very keen on joining those meetings because i think revops might be the team that is facilitating that connection so that it's super well understood what is needed on the on the business side so revops could be also uh, facilitating that excellent questions and uh, many of them uh, but i think so that we don't run over time and we respect everyone's timeline it is time to say thanks for everyone who who joined. Do we have any last minute words? I think slides will be shared. Recording will be available right mid this.
0: Yes, we will be putting the uh, recording up, um, and also happy to share the slides. Feel free to connect with us if there's any questions. And we really thank you for your time today, um, and have a great, wonderful rest of your winter and wonderful holiday
1: likewise also from my behalf thanks a lot for joining and have a great great week good luck for december closings and we'll continue discussions on linkedin and slack and other communities
0: All right. okay
1: All right. bye